welcome back to episode 2 of James Vickers Live. In this episode, I interview Chris Brown, who's next Preston, Doncaster and Sunderland striker. He's also played for several other clubs along the Football League pyramid and made over 350 appearances across his 14-year career. Chris also hosts the Under the Costume podcast with John Parkin, which is definitely worth a listen. In this episode, we talk about his playing career, training ground stories and favourite memories from his career. So sit back, listen and enjoy. Also be sure to give me feedback of how we can improve. Welcome back to another episode. I'm joined with Chris Brown today, ex-Preston player. Obviously, great one for me, been a Preston fan. Uh, played for a whole host of other clubs as well. Chris, how you doing, mate? I'm very well, James. Thank you very much. Are you coping okay? Yeah, just about. I uh, Obviously, this podcast goes out on Spotify, but you asked me, sort of using Zoom, and uh, I've been giving myself a go at cutting my hair, so you can probably see it now as we're recording this over Zoom, but I don't think it looks too bad, but... You look I think I'd get, absolute, I'd get absolutely roasted on Twitter if I put the uh, the video out with it. So I think keeping it over Spotify for the time being until I can get back to the barbers again. I've just took a screenshot, mate, so I'm going to upload it straight after this call. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely stitch me up there. Uh, proper, you, you obviously see it off the screenshot, but proper like model to the camera for that as well. Um, obviously, we're talking off air, Chris, about um, the Under the Kosh podcast. You sort of told me a little bit about how that came about. Obviously, I'm just starting out. How did that come around for you guys? Was it sort of a group decision that you wanted to start a podcast or was the one sort of like driving factor sort of for that? Not at all. It was probably the furthest thing in my, in my mind of, of ever doing, really. Um, but basically, it's a bit of a boring, long story. But Chris's dad, uh, the other one, his dad built my house. Um, okay. So when I and Chris used to work for him. So when, when I was moving in my house, basically, I used to speak to Chris about stuff that was going wrong in the house and whatever, he got all the, the crap phone calls. And then I probably didn't see him for 10 years um, until I finished playing. And we ended up meeting up about uh, doing a, a bit of a documentary because Chris's media, he, he studied all this at, um, at university. So he, was, he had a channel called The Away Day Bible. So initially he wanted to do a, um, like a documentary on retirement, players coming out of retirement and stuff. Yeah. So we had the meeting and then he just, I think he just came out with it. We should do a podcast. Get lads on that you've uh, get lads on that you've played with, um, speak about the careers and and whatever. And this is just me and Chris at this point. But then, obviously, straight away I threw Parky into the mixer because it's. I've been saying to you for years to Johnny that it's perfect for him to. It's a perfect time for him to make most of his his character. You know, he's he's he should be he should be doing yeah. doing what he's doing because he's he's such a big character. And um, unfortunately, we haven't been able to get rid of him since. <laughs> yeah, I remember sort of first one of the first sort of home games I'd gone to with Preston took one of my mates it was uh, for my birthday and it was the, the day that we had signed John Parkin and uh, I remember seeing him warming up sort of coming from a family of United fans and I hadn't had too much exposure to like the championship and I thought bloody hell who have we signed here but credit to him he was uh, he was one of the better strikers we've had in recent years yeah, um, I remember his debut as well he had an absolute blinder yeah yeah he had an absolute blinder then, um, I, th- I don't know if it was the week after. So obviously there was high hopes from then on, standing out on his debut. I think he got man of the match. But Alan Irvin at the time, obviously thought that he could change him, change his, uh, his way of life, his look, lifestyle, and get, he got him in fat club. So for the rest of the week, so it was his first training week, he was in early doors before anybody else was in doing like uh, inclined walks, 
uh, fat burning weight sessions. And I remember coming in, I think it was about half eight in the morning, and he's on the treadmill on an incline walk with a newspaper open looking at the horse racing. Um, <laughs> and I think he did a, he did a, a weight circuit on Thursday morning. Um, ended up going training, trained Friday, and we played, played Coventry away. I was injured at this point. And he couldn't, he was that stiff, upper body, his arms, he couldn't lift his hands above his shirt to get his top on. So he was getting a massage on his triceps just to get his shirt on. <laughs> so it probably didn't last too much longer after that. No, that was but, it. Uh, yeah. That was it, yeah. <laughs> so sort of getting him involved then in the podcast, obviously you mentioned he was like a perfect fit for it. Bit of a character, John. Who's sort of like the best, guests that you've had on that podcast from your point of view not necessarily one who sort of you had the best like banter with or, or maybe one that surprised you sort of overall package um well I th- my, one of my favorites is Matt Kilgallen because uh it's all it, it's always better when you know the lad and you can relate to the stories but I, I love the uh, Mick Rathbone one I'm not sure if you've listened to it Mick Rathbone yeah. was it um he was a player but he was also a physio. He was David Moyes' um, physio for a lot of years. And he came in the yeah. back end of my spell at Preston. And he's, he's at talking of characters and, and natural speakers. He's unbelievable. Um, he's actually got a book out and he's bringing a second book out. So we're going to try and get him on again. Um, but he was, he was just brilliant. Um, I could listen to him all day long. But there's been some classics. I wasn't there for the Nicky Weaver one. And uh, that's up there in my top three. The... X-Man City goalkeeper, Nicky Weaver, and just, again, though, that's some of the stories I can, I can remember I was involved in, so it's always, a, it's always better to listen to. Yeah, yeah, I've listened, my me, me mate Dean, he'd, he'd kill me if I didn't sort of mention him, he's uh, sort of been a fan, I think he's actually on his, his Twitter, I'll tag you in it after I got a photo of you guys, I think when you did the live show, he went to that, and he was, uh, he was egging all of us sort of on to come, but I was living down south at the time, so unfortunately couldn't make it. But yeah, he's sort of every episode, he's sharing it in our WhatsApp group chats and, and on Snapchat to us, so massive fan. Um, where do you sort of want to take that podcast then sort of in the future? Is it something that you just want to keep on expanding and, and doing what you are doing with it, or is there sort of any plans for like more live shows or, or that kind of thing with it? Yeah, we do want to expand, obviously there is going to come to a point where they've got no players left to interview. Yeah. Um, so we've got to try and, you know, we had a live tour booked in for this summer. Um, hopefully that's still going to go ahead, but obviously there's more important things to worry about at the minute. Um, but yeah, the YouTube channel is coming on really well. Um, going to, we do vlogs at, at matches so we can, we can carry on doing that. Um, and just try and keep going our profile as a, as a podcast. You know, it, even if we get to the point where it's just us three, just trying to keep it, you know, come up with something original to do every week. Um, but at the minute, I, I mean, me personally, I love it. You know, at the start, I wasn't comfortable with it, with speaking and whatever, but I've learned to enjoy it. And even now, like, especially during this lockdown, I live for me Saturday nights because we've started doing a, a quiz on YouTube uh, for people to, to just join in at home and, and we just sit there and, and have a bit of crack. And it's, it's brilliant. It's keeping us all going. Yeah, yeah, that was sort of same as me starting out when I first got asked to do the, the championship podcast, which I started on, like, hearing my voice back, anything like that, speaking in school, used to absolutely hate it, sort of been in, like, a group environment, I'd sort of with mates, I'd be comfortable, but doing anything like that, I just absolutely hated the thought of it, and I, I sort of got roped into it, said, yeah, I'll do one episode, but sort of after that episode, just completely fell in love with it, and 
sort of getting to chat to different people and hearing different stories from them it's it's something that I didn't think I would enjoy doing but sort of each episode I do I get sort of more confident with it and sort of really enjoy doing them now and it's like you said something that I look forward to doing and and you know especially sort of during these times keeps me going it's something to look forward to and sort of a good escape from just staring at my laptop doing work all day um sort of moving sort of a bit away from the podcast then obviously played for Preston been a Preston fan and sort of loads of my mates and people on Twitter are Preston fans that I've sort of interact with be sort of wronging me not to ask about your time there I remember sort of around about the time you were there we were challenging sort of for the playoffs in the championship do you feel there was a missed opportunity for not kicking on to that next level or or do you think the club where they were at was sort of where they I think because the season before we we just about stayed up Uh, yeah in the end, it was quite comfortable, but I think at the play, I don't actually think we believed that we could do it, even though we got to the playoffs. Because the way we got to the playoffs, you know, with I'm, I'm sure you'll know about the running, how how everything went our way, getting in the playoffs by one goal. I actually think when we got there, we didn't actually believe that we could do that, like make that yeah. next step. You know, it, it was strange. Obviously, we were, you know, it was chef chef united in the semi-final of the playoffs you're thinking right come on let's do it but i think there was that much going on before you know that i remember the the game the last game of the season against qpr it was like just a massive it was so emotional that day and you know we still had then had to go again them three games to to do it because we were good enough we proved that we were good enough we were the team in form going into the playoffs um but i think i mean we were We've had, we've had, I've spoke to Stephen Elliott, who was, who was part of that squad, and, it, and he's, he says that there was no reason to change the team, change the formation in the second leg. If you remember, we, we played Ross Wallace in, betw- in, in behind me and John Parkin, and we hadn't played that all season. So I don't know, I, to this day, I still don't know why. You know, the, the home game was a, a fair, tough game, so you think, right, we'll go there, play our own game, and, and get a result. You know, we had to win the game, which we, which we could have done. Um, and you know, Alan Irvine's one of the best managers I played under. So it's not a criticism. Um, it's just, it's just one of them things that I don't know. He never really explained why he did it. Yes, I. Uh, that was one of the sort of the first home games I managed to sort of rope my dad into coming to was that QPR game. And uh, every home game he's actually been to since. I think he's been to about ten, eleven. Uh, and we've won every one of them, so uh, every game he comes to, we seem to do well. At. Yeah, so I, I need to start getting him on the away games and uh, yeah. and get him a season ticket. But yeah, that QPR game, as you mentioned, was I sort of remember the atmosphere around the crowd that last sort of ten minutes when St Ledger scored. Probably apart from like the FA Cup games where we scored against Arsenal, United, and then and obviously the Wembley game. That's one of the best sort of atmospheres and sort of collective memories I have sort of supporting Preston and and yeah that that game absolutely fantastic but I can only imagine from a player's point of view how draining that must have been. It was I mean and if you look if you remember the celebrations after there was everyone was on the pitch we were doing a lap of honour obviously not celebrating getting the playoffs just the end of this like the end of the league season yeah. and it almost feels like did we peak at that, at that point you know it was it, it was a strange going in the, the Sheffield United game the first game it just seemed lads seemed a bit leggy you know it's almost as if we did have that peak the week before where and we couldn't quite raise it again. But it was frustrating. Yeah. Well, sort of moving on then to sort of talking about Preston a bit more sort of broadly, a couple of 
people have asked sort of questions to ask you. Uh, Louise asked me first of all, obviously you mentioned Alan Irvine there, one of the best managers you worked under. What was he sort of like as a person? I remember meeting him very briefly. We sort of mentioned off air that sort of one of the first experiences I had coming to Preston was my stepdad sort of running into you guys at Manchester Airport and sort of looking after you when you flew down to a Southampton game. When I met him, seemed like a top lad. What was he like to work with on a day-to-day basis? Uh, away from football, he was an absolute gentleman. He, he was, you know, polite. He had time for anybody. Um, and, but as soon as he walked on that training pitch, he, he, he went to work. He, he was so meticulous in his planning of sessions. You know, we'd prepare for a game on a Saturday. We'd start on the Monday doing little things because he's already watched videos of the, of the team. So he's planning, he's planning what we're going to be doing on the Saturday. So I think, you know, I think about it now, coaches, up-and-coming coaches should look at Alan Irvin and what he does, how he, how he goes about his week, how he puts his sessions on. His training was unbelievable. I don't think we ever did the same session twice, you know, in terms of there was always a different target, a different thing to get out of the session. Um, you would never, never cross him, get on the, on the wrong side of him. He'd let you know, but then it would be forgot yeah. about. Yeah, I suppose you want a manager like that, don't you? Who you can sort of have that relationship with off the pitch, but then on the pitch, obviously, wanting to sort of better you, not sort of repeating training sessions and that kind of thing. I always thought sort of seen from the outside as a Preston fan, he's probably in my time supporting him, the most underrated manager we've had. Obviously, there's been managers like Simon Grace and Alex Neal who've been a bit more successful in terms of where they've took the squad. But I think at that time, he was probably sort of looking in one of the most underrated managers that we've had. 100%. I think when I signed, we were bottom of the league. And then yeah. 18 months later, we were in the semi-final of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I think the, the biggest compliment I can pay him is even the lads that weren't in the team and you go through every football club in, in the football league, there'll be lads getting in corners, you know, that aren't in the team. They'll be getting in corners and slagging the manager off saying, oh, this is this is." rubbish you know yeah, yeah. but he had the respect of every single player in that changing room even even the lads yeah. that weren't even getting a look in they, could, they couldn't see anything about him because he was honest he'd speak you on a level that you appreciated as a player and made you if you weren't in the team it made you want to get out on the training pitch work hard prove him wrong and get back in the team and he'd do that as well by the way there was it wasn't personal it was it was never personal if you if he felt you were putting it in making an impression training, he'd, he'd, give you his, he'd give you your chance. Yeah, and obviously that's all you want as a player, really, isn't it? Sort of 100%. Being able to have that trust with a manager. So yeah. moving from sort of managers then, obviously you had sort of a, a few years at Preston. Who was the best Preston player? Alex has asked this one. Best Preston player that you played with at that time at the club, obviously. Seeing from the outside, people like Ross Wallace, you know, unbelievably gifted. Were there sort of any others that necessarily people not seeing on a day-to-day basis wouldn't? particularly like spring to mind? Um, I'm not sure how, how he's held, what kind of regard he's held at Preston, but Paul McKenna was, was unbelievable. Um, yeah. I know he, he, he was there a lot of years and I, I don't know if it's, it's just one of them things because he's a local lad, he was never as appreciated as much as maybe yeah. he should have been. But him and Sean St. Ledger that season, um, especially that we got in the playoffs, was unbelievable. Uh, talking about Ledge, he... Um, he barely trained uh, the last the last few months of the season, and he was still our best player on the Saturday. His knee his knee used to be like a balloon after a game, and we'd be thinking, "Well, you've got no chance of making the next game." But 
Alan Irvin just said, just get yourself right, just get in the treatment room, do you, what you need to do. And he'd still, he'd still be our best player on the Saturday. And, and obviously Ledge went on to play for Ireland and what, there, w- there wouldn't have been many better centre-halves than, than St. Ledger in, in the Championship, in the lower, yeah, I always, lower end of the Premier League. I always remember that partnership we had sort of around that time with like Moeny and, and St. Ledger and sort of from, again, my time's foot impressing that he's one of the best centre-back pairings I've, I've sort of seen play for us then sort of two uh, sort of times where, you know, I can imagine from a, a striker's perspective, it must have been a nightmare against them in training when they were sort of fit, when obviously you mentioned St. Ledger wasn't able to train, but when he could, must have been a nightmare sort of coming up against them at training. Yeah, I think I can probably speak on behalf of a lot of target men, big, bigger players, that they'd hate playing against Ledger because he wouldn't, he was very intelligent with how he played. He'd never get involved in a wrestle with you. He'd, He'd almost let you have the ball and then come and take it off you. So and he was, he was absolutely outstanding that season. It was, and and he, he deserved, he deserved, because he went on to play in the Euros um, yeah. with Ireland. But if you look, go through all the team, it was just, I don't think based on ability, we, we, we should have been in the top six. And that, that's no disrespect to any of the players, but we just organised. Everyone knew the jobs. We got the best out of each other. And um, I mean, we hardly conceded any goals that, that that season. That's just because, you know, talk, going back to Alan, just the way he set us up, and and we had players like Ross Wallace, like Mel's who could go and win win a game at the drop of a hat. Yeah, I completely agree. We um, St. Ledger, probably one of my favourite North End players over sort of the last sort of decade or so as well. You know, absolutely gave his all whenever he played. Sort of. Going to a bit more personal for you then, obviously, got into the playoffs that year. What was your best memory when sort of been at Preston? There's quite a few fans who've asked me your favourite goal and quite a few mentioned Charlton away where you sort of had the little Bergkamp sort of spin and, and the volley. Was that your favourite goal for us or are there any in particular that stand out more? And then also your favourite memory. Yeah, that, that day at Charlton was, was probably my favourite ever game, in fact. Um, but do you, I mean... That six months, um, I think Preston fans will, will remember, I signed in the January, right the way through at the end of the season was just, a, um, it was the best spell of my career. And because before that, I could never play two games in a week. I was I was crippled after a game, um, even from a young age. I, in training on the Monday, it would take us five or six days to recover. But then as soon as I signed for Preston, um, the physio at the time was Steve Kemp, who... Um, Went on to, he's, I think he's involved with England now. And he, for some reason, he just knew how to get the best out of us with me back. I used to struggle with me back. So before every game, I'd spend half an hour with him. Um, and he'd just get to the point where I felt like I could run all day. And for that six months, it, I look back and it's the happiest I've been as a footballer, just because I knew that even though I might be stiff and might not recover properly, Mr. Kempy would get us right. And... Yeah, I mean, and it, it'll probably say a lot, the fact that Kempy left to go to Wolves and then I, I just could never, I could never get that back. So in terms of favourite memories, I think that just that whole six months, even we were in the lower, lower end of the league um, and we went on an unbelievable run. Just the whole spell of me play, being able to play 90 minutes every week was was something that I've ne- I'd never done before and it, it was hard to get it back again once, once Kempy had left. Yeah, completely agree. That that first six months where you came in, you know, absolutely fantastic. One of the first away games I went to was Charlton away, actually, in that uh, 
that game where I remember sort of with the uh, the headband on getting the, yeah. uh, the two goals and that we were chatting about that off air as well. Um, yeah, great sort of memories from sort of that period. Even as you said, though, we were down the bottom of the table. It was sort of almost the turning point from that January onwards to build into sort of the next year or so. Sort of moving from Preston then to, to Doncaster, obviously, am I right in saying born in Doncaster? Um, sort of local club. You had loan spell there when you were first just sort of breaking into to first team football and, and got promotion from League Two. Um, been asked by a couple of Doncaster fans, what was that sort of like, that sort of first like pro season before you've been able to get that promotion? It was brilliant. Like, even though... The reserve team football back then was quite competitive. Um, one of my first days at Doncaster just made us realise what it was like to be a footballer. Yeah. You know, there was lads from different backgrounds. You know, the, all the lads who didn't live the life as well as what I w- I'd been used to. It was an eye-opener. But what I, what I soon realised was it mattered. When you went out on that pitch on a Saturday, it mattered to people. They had, they had families to support. You know, there was fans there paying to, paying to watch the game. Donny fans, absolutely brilliant. So for the whole season was because uh, Donny had just come up from the from the conference the season before, and they seemed to just carry that on. And we had some great lads there um, who who went on to have very good careers in the game. Um, but some of the memories from that season were, were were brilliant. You know, every game was tough, every game was learning curve for me. But I was just happy because I was you know playing league football and. And it, it seemed to earn the trust of Mick McCarthy back in Sunderland that I could play in, in the league, you know? Yeah, yeah. So winning the league that season was obviously first season in uh, in football. I've won the league. I thought, I can't. This, this is brilliant. I'm not going to get any better than this. <laughs> well, sort of, then when you did come back to Doncaster sort of later on, you managed to get promotion sort of again. Uh, my mate Tom asked me, Brentford away, final day. What was that like? And then also, do you have any other sort of standout memories from that sort of whole season obviously I'd imagine the the Brentford game was was sort of the peak of that season was there anything else that stood out during the course of it as well um for me personally the first six months were pretty poor for, for me um Steen Saunders used to there was me and Billy Painter who used to almost rotate um so I could never really get a run in the team we used we had a couple of fallouts um so the season wasn't getting going for me. Even though we were, were top of the league, the team were flying. He built an unbelievable team. But for me personally, it wasn't the best. And then Dean left um, just before the turn of the year. And as soon as Rob Jones came and he put us straight in the team, and he basically said, you're, you're my striker. It was Rob Jones and Brian Flynn, uh, joint managers. But I think Rob had a lot of say. He said, you're going to be the striker. Um, just, do what, just do what you do. And from then on, um, I feel like I played a big part in the, in that season, and um, yeah, the, the, the Brentford game was just was just un- unbelievable. You know, what was it sort of like? Obviously, been at Doncaster, there was the the so called sort of experiment, as Doncaster fans refer to it, as bringing in the likes of, of Juve and, and Pascal Chimbonda. What was it like, sort of playing around that time? Was it sort of a bit of a, a weird time for sort of a player who's already there, or, or how did you sort of see it? been someone sort of already in the club at that period it was uh it was a comedy show honestly um i don't think dean had control of who was coming in i think willie mckay was running the club who was who was the agent he was acting on, on behalf of donny he was just getting players in that weren't playing 
at, at other clubs. And we'd have, we'd, have, we'd have 15 trialists coming in. Um, and the dynamic just didn't work because we'd have players. There was a lad called Habib Bay who used to play for Newcastle, Aston Villa. And he'd only come in for games. So all the lads had been training all week, preparing for the game. And then Habib would just come in and his heart wasn't... These lads weren't, weren't that bothered. Chimbonda wasn't... wasn't and I didn't mind Chimbonda as a bloke, but he just wasn't... He just wasn't bothered. I remember a game against Leicester. We were getting we were getting hammered three or four nil, and these someone's passed the ball out to him, um, out in the right back position. He's took a bit of a dodgy touch. It's bounced up, and he just booted the ball into the stand as high and as far as he could, and just put his hands in the air, just basically chucked the towel in. And yeah. it was it was an awful it was an awful time for for everybody, me personally, and and, and the club. The club deserved better than that. I'm not sure who who decided to go down that avenue. It was a, it was a risk. It was an experiment, but that that's not Doncaster. I can't. Uh, but fair play to Dean. He, he realised he, he made the mistake, and then the next season he 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 just went for experience. Went for he used to call it. I want men. I want men in my team. So he, <laughs> then he signed he signed Rob Jones, six foot seven. Jamie McComb, six foot six, and that was just the the catalyst really. Them two. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a. I mean, there, there, most of them were decent lads, but there was there was fights every week in the changing room. It was it was unbelievable. Just you know, Jufy making his mouth go. Um, and Simon, Simon Gillett, who, who was our midfielder at the time, great lad, Simon. He he used to just front front them up and say, basically tell them what's what's wrong. And there's been that many. The, the only good, the only one that brought something really was Alunga. I don't know if you can remember. Used to play for West Ham, a left back, and yeah. he was he was just one of the lads. He, he he was there. He understood that it wasn't the best situation for everybody, but he he got stuck in. And the amount of times that he's dug out Jufy, he's said, Jufy, what are you doing? Like, you know, and, and they were mates. And the amount of fights in the showers, and it was just a, it was just a terrible time. So, but then you, you sorry, you fast forward twelve months, and you know, we're top of the league. Obviously, you mentioned experience there. Sort of for the next season, Doncaster fans would sort of get on my back for not mentioning James Coppinger. What was he sort of like as a as a player? Sort of been around. Was he one of the ones that you would expect? Sort of looking from the outside in, just sort of model professional, sort of a bit opposite to sort of some of the ones that you mentioned sort of previously there. Yeah, cops. If there's a young a young player now, sixteen, seventeen, who's who's looking to make the way in the game, just just look at James Coppinger. And I've said this to, to the Donny youth lads, just just watch him, just see how he goes about it. Um, he, he, could st- he could still play at least 50. He's, um, yeah. he, he's just a great, he's a leader. He's not, he's not most vocal, but he's somebody that, that you know. You don't even need to say anything to him. You just know that he's with you when you go out on the pitch. And he's, he's, just, he's just class. That's all you can yeah. say about him. He's just, a, he's just a class act on the pitch and off it. Um, and it, uh, he just deserves all because he, he is getting a lot of. He's probably getting more credit now. Now he's he, he's getting to, to to forty than when he got ten years that he got ten years ago. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pleased about it. He, he, he deserves he deserves everything everything every good thing that's said about him. Yeah, I've seen Doncaster a few times over the last sort of 
18 months, I'd say, and you know, every game I go to, it's sort of incredible how much of an influence he still has on games, considering sort of he, he is getting close to 40 now. I've seen games where he's sort of played central midfield and he's running rings around players sort of half his age, which you know, for someone sort of pushing 40 is absolutely fantastic and still a really competitive league in a competitive Doncaster side as well that got into the playoffs last season. That was sort of end of their season last year. I thought he was along with Marcus, for example, was was probably their best player, which, you know, speaks volumes about him and sort of echo your sentiments there with him. Um sort of before we wrap up then, um obviously touched on Preston and Doncaster a bit. Are there any sort of other players that you played with outside of them two teams sort of over the course of your career that, that stood out or or who sort of if there wasn't at a Doncaster and Preston, who's the best player sort of collectively that you've played with? Um I'd have to say Tom Kearney, I think. And I didn't yeah. realise how, how good he was until until I went there. Like, the most naturally gifted player that I've ever seen, I think. You, you just couldn't get the ball off him. Um, and the only thing with Tom, defensively, there was question marks about him. He, he's not keen on defending. but And if he sorts that side of his game out, he, he'll, he could easily play in the, in the top six in the Premier League. Um, but I, I played with Darren Huckerby at the end of his career. And it's one of them where you wish you could have seen him at the beginning of his career. He was just unbelievable. And the one thing I remember about Hooks is his self-belief. He, before a game, he'd just be in the changing room, just, lads, give me the ball. Give me the ball and I'll win us the game. And at the, at the time, I was like, I'd never seen anything like that before. Somebody yeah. so, vocal, so vocal about, you know, confidence. And he, and he would. And he, he I know when I'm, when I'm saying win us the game, he'd, he beat eight players. There's, there's, he scored two goals in two games that, that were almost replicas, where he just run from his own half, beating about six, seven players and sticking them in the top corner. And he, he great lad, unbelievable. You know, and it, it sound, might sound like he's, he's arrogant, whatever. It's not. He just had that much belief in his in his in his own game. It was it was mad. <laughs> yeah, well, as I, as I mentioned, coming from a family of United fans, I remember sort of derby days. Huckabee used to be the one sort of for the most part that he used to absolutely fret about sort of around the time where sort of I was growing up getting into football it was sort of Man United dominating but Huckabee sort of around that time was was yeah definitely the one that they all used to sort of watch out for um Chris been an absolute pleasure mate thank you for coming on um obviously this is only the second episode so absolutely sort of appreciate you know taking time out of your day to to come on, um, obviously we've touched on under the cosh. For people who sort of haven't heard it yet, what are the sort of the links to the? Obviously, I'll pin them below this sort of when the episode goes out. But where can they find you on social media and on YouTube? Um, on YouTube, it's just under the cosh uh, with the e, so U N D R. But the it's on iTunes, Spotify, and and a couple of other n- normal podcast apps. But it's U N D R. Um, so you lose the e. Um, but yeah, I appreciate everybody if you give it a listen. And all the best with you, mate. All the best with your podcast. I hope we'll yeah, thank you. Cheers for joining me today. No problem, mate. Look after yourself. Mm-hmm.